With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to today's edition of the Lombardi Line, presented as always by BetMGM. Michael Lombardi is out doing some good talking to some students in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but JVT, our own Jonathan Von Tobel, holding down the fort with me here today as we come to you live. From our recent studio at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. What's going on, JVT? Uh, nothing much. Um, let's see. I am spiraling in a uh, very massive depression as I was talking with producer Steph as I walked in. The Angels have not won since the trade deadline. Bullpen blew it again yesterday. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Team USA had a good showing yesterday. So that brought me a little happiness because USA, USA. Um, and football's almost here. So, you know. Their emotions are all over the place. How's that been going down to Mendenhall, being a part of all the Team USA stuff? It was cool. You know, they leave now. I think they actually left today for Spain because okay. they got a friendly coming up on the 12th, I believe, uh, when they're going to play Spain but to get ready. Of course, they have, I think, five more friendlies uh, before World Cup play starts. But it's cool. It was cool to watch them practice. Uh, cool to see it a little bit up close and, and see how some of this thing's going to fit together. Watching them yesterday, got off to a little bit of a slow start. It was hilarious because, so one of my favorite things about, of course, like US, like Team USA or just like, you know, American sports in general, right? When we're talking about international play is us as Americans, we got to get like, shoot, we got to freak out immediately, right? Because we should be the best. And like three minutes into the first quarter last night, when it was like 12-10 Puerto Rico, oh, people were firing Losing them off. their minds. Oh, they're, they're going to be lucky to medal. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Uh, this team sucks. And then, of course, they go on to win by, I don't know, a bajillion points last night. So... That's my favorite part about it. Yeah, one seventeen seventy four last night. It was great. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good showing, and I like being a part of it. I like to say that I'm there. You right. know what I mean? Generally, I don't actually pay attention or do anything, but you guys now know that I get to go to Team USA practices, and that's all that matters. And you can say it's work. That's right. That's how you do it. My kid actually asked. He saw my credential. He's like, "What's this?" And I explained to him, "Like, well, Daddy's a very important person. Oh, he's, obviously, he's the most important." And person. that is the exact right. sentence that you used, I'm sure. That's right. But don't worry, we'll get back to your depression as well a little bit later on in the show because I do think that's fascinating. We are all in on Otani, baby. Proceeds to go winless since the trade deadline. Neither here nor there. We'll revisit that later. Uh, to set the table for the rest of the show today, we'll get into plenty of college football a little bit later on this hour, looking at some passing yards numbers as well as conference realignment as a whole. Our own Aaron Moore is going to join the program a little bit later on in the show at 1030 Pacific, 130 Eastern. He'll give us some of his favorite group of five win totals for the season, as well as just breaking down all of the chaos that's been going on in about 45 minutes. 
Will Hill, VEASAN contributor, betting analyst, he's always locked and loaded with different random things, so I'm sure we'll have plenty of week one preseason, some MLB mm-hmm. on deck, all the things from Will Hill in a little bit. But we will start talking NFL, because this is an NFL show, of course, and might as well get started with your Colts as well, because maybe a little bit of optimism when it comes to their number four overall pick, Anthony Richardson. He and Gardner Minshew have been rotating days, getting reps with the first-team offense, and ESPN Stephen Holder reported Richardson as expected has been up and down during camp, but his highs are very, very high. Eye-opening throws that demonstrate why the Colts might be willing to start the season with an inexperienced but physically, I love this word, tantalizing prospect. Uh, Yes, I I think that was used for me in my job interviews and whatnot. Oh, of course. uh, Uh, You know, I saw those reviews and I don't recall. Wow, you're, I I know you're about to, into. Get into vacation mode here a little bit, but it's my uh, last you're day a little today. too. I'm yeah, coming in hot. Yeah, I was gonna say you're a little too, uh, you're a little too mean today. Uh, no, look, I, I think that I'm always in the mindset. After you just said, I told my child I'm a very important person. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm trying to build my own confidence up because I have none. <laughs> so I, I think that I'm of the mindset when it comes to this sort of thing, right? Player development, anything like you learn by doing. You know what I mean? And When it comes to a guy like Anthony Richardson, and the Colts, of course, have a history of doing this, Peyton Manning started his rookie year. They only won three games. He threw 26 touchdowns to 28 interceptions. It wasn't statistically a great year, but when you you listen and read and all those stories about that rookie year, part of it was just learning the process. There's a great story about, like, Peyton Manning not throwing to a tight end uh, during one of the first few weeks and Peyton Manning going to the sideline as a rookie and say, well, no, he wasn't open. They go, no, 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 that's open in the NFL. You've got to get used to making those throws. And Peyton Manning went on to have a pretty good career. And, and the same thing with Andrew Luck, right? Andrew Luck, day one, let's go, just go out there. Now, from a prospect standpoint where they were at their rookie years, obviously Anthony Richardson's not there, but I think you just benefit from learning by doing. You know, reading reports coming out of camp, you know, like you said, the highs of his uh, practices when he's taking reps with the ones are really high, and he's turning a lot of heads, and he's reportedly doing well with some of the little things. Like uh, they call them call sessions where he's going in and getting the full play call, mm-hmm. relaying it to the team, and then running it out there like game situations. By all accounts, he's performing pretty well there. And I would say just let him, like, just give him the reins and let it happen because what's the difference between week one and week six when in you're preparing for a game and game planning, he's not going to be the guy that they're building the game plan around. Nothing's really changing in the six weeks. Let him do it from day one. Let him know that, hey, look, even if you make mistakes, you're doing this to make the mistakes Mm -hmm. so that you can get better. Look at the history of Colts quarterbacks and look at what has happened in years past with that and allow that confidence to grow and learn. But I think you learn by doing, and I'd be really excited to see if he's going to be the guy from day one. Yeah, and nobody is coming out here expecting the Colts to be a 10-win team this year, right? Like They expect there to be shortcomings. They expect this to be a year where you're figuring things out. And for Anthony Richardson, to your point about needing to get reps under his belt and just getting the experience, only 13 career starts for him as a collegiate football player. And I, I, yeah, I think that it would be beneficial to him and to the Colts for him to start getting those reps week one. They are a three and a half point underdog hosting Jacksonville in that opener total 43 and a half. They'll kick the preseason off Saturday as a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Bills, which I think is is fun, obviously showing the difference in who's going to be getting reps and who's not total 39 in that game. But the thought process of just, hey, like, you're a young player. Mm-hmm. Go out there. Use your athleticism to the best of your ability right now. We'll figure out the nuts and bolts of it later. But from all reports that I've seen, especially at the end of last week, it's slowly uh, been getting better and better and been understanding more and more. So I'm optimistic about about him and we know the highs and I hate that we always go back and reference 
the opening week of last season. But when Florida hosted Utah last year, it was incredible to watch. And you had people saying Heisman, Heisman after week one because of that. And then, you know, did crash and burn week two against, I think, Kentucky, right? When you probably couldn't have played any worse. But that's one of those things where similarly, he's just got to get the reps under his belt and go from there. Absolutely. I'm excited for, for your squad. Oh, like, look, I mean, like from a non-betting, just like narrative standpoint, it's just cool to have something to like look forward to, to see if this is going to be a thing or not. You know, especially ever since Andrew Luck retired and did what, you know, and what happened with the quarterback position going forward. uh, It's just cool to realize like, hey, okay, maybe there is a future here that's developing and we'll see if it happens. But yeah, from a narrative standpoint, it's going to be great. And preseason wise, you mentioned like the points for Buffalo. Indy's a team that's perfect, like from a preseason power rating standpoint that you want to circle and the market's going to be high on throughout because you've got a somewhat quarterback competition going on. So guys generally should play a little bit longer into the preseason. You have a quarterback who's going to get extended time that's mobile so can deal with bad offensive line play when he gets it as the preseason game goes along. So those are going to be things to look out for with Indianapolis because at the very least, Gardner Minshew and and, uh, Anthony Richardson in the first couple of games should get extended playing time. Michael Pittman Jr., by the way, said that Anthony Richardson was like a create a quarterback in Madden. It's been really, really fun for him to see the young QB. Also, just FYI, Jonathan Taylor, not out at practice today. Shane Steichen is expected in his media conference today to address why, but still on PUP right now for Jonathan Taylor, and we'll kind of go from there. There was an update this year. It's an an excused absence from camp overall, so he's just not even there. So Hmm. we'll see what that means. Because he has been out there on the practice field. Yes, in a hoodie with the hood up, you know. Speaking of quarterback fight competitions, the, uh, the Tampa Bay QB competition apparently is heating up. <laughs> Both guess. Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask listed as co-starters on the Bucks step chart as they look to take this first step. Life after Tom Brady, John Walford is number three. And while by all accounts, no quarterback has been particularly great at training camp in Tampa Bay. Everybody's been saying that Trask has significantly closed the gap on Mayfield, which was a surprising thing. I think for most people to hear, how surprised would you be if Kyle Trask was QB one week one of this NFL season? I don't think I'd be that surprised. Honestly, if I was in charge, I'd really want him to win the job only because I like Baker Mayfield as much as you can like Baker Mayfield at this point of his career. But we know what Baker Mayfield is. We know his ceiling. We know his game. We know his skill set. We know all of that. But we don't really know what Kyle Trask is. So if you're you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, take a leaf out of the book of the Houston Texans from a season ago. The Texans rolled into the season, not really addressing the quarterback. We're like, no, screw it. Look, we have Davis Mills, and we're going to do one or two. We're going to we're going to start him, and one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to be pleasantly surprised and maybe have a late round pick on our hands that actually worked out and could be a quarterback of the future because he shows some real stuff that we can build on going forward, or we're going to suck and we're going to have a great draft pick to potentially go and get a franchise changing player. It's the same thing here with Tampa Bay. Like I think there's only it's a win win situation if you're going out there and starting a guy like Trask. Because if he's any good, well, guess what? Maybe you got a franchise quarterback going forward. But if he's terrible, well, then you're going to put yourself in position to select up high in the draft and be able to move around or do whatever you want. So I, I think that's going to be something to really look at here with Tampa Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if Trask started at all. I think it makes sense. Okay. Todd Bowles and their OC saying so far what's kind of separated him or closed the gap, I guess, more so with Baker Mayfield has been the lack of turnovers that he's had here in camp. Only one appearance that we've seen in an NFL game week 17 of last year Trask was just three of nine in the limited time that he got the opportunity. Chris Godwin, when asked um, to compare the different styles of quarterback, said Baker is more of a chip on the shoulder guy and Kyle Trask a little bit more laid back. Mm. I wonder where that would fit on the Tom Brady scale. How would you describe him? Tom Brady? Oh, he's definitely a chip on the shoulder guy, right? 
the Brady six and the He's crying like, and all that I don't that know. Kind of I stuff. felt like Tampa made him more laid back, though. Uh, no, I think he's a chip on the shoulder. I think Stephanie would speak to this. He's a chip on the shoulder, uber competitor. He's been, he's, he's the, uh, premium athlete. That's right. That's a good point. Had to prove it wasn't Belichick. That's a chip on the shoulder. I like it. By the way, is the chip on the shoulder, does that mean you, you have a piece of your shoulder missing or do you have like an extra piece of the shoulder that you have to like work off because you've been. I don't know. I always thought of it more as a Dorito. You could just snack on it over there on the corner. (laughs) I think my joke um, is better. I'll, I, think I don't we know. Can all agree on say that what one. say what you want to say. Uh, offensive line also though for the Bucks though being talked about really positively after being a liability last year between injuries, age, all the things. Season win total six and a half for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got a lot more news and notes to cover here in the NFL. Don't go anywhere. The Lombardi line will roll on in a moment. This is Visa in the Sports Betting Network. line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. You can download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I'm so mad at myself that we spent so much time talking about the Indianapolis Colts and at one time... Did I bring up what Matt Ryan called a bleep show a season ago in Indy? He's not wrong. I was going to say you can't argue with it. When, when you have the uh, the owner deciding to step in and fire an offensive coordinator and then fire a head coach and then hire a head coach that had coached high school football and then was doing ESPN stuff. <laughs> I mean, actually, if I make the argument, Stormy, you could make the argument that it was a brilliant move by Jim Irsay because Jeff Saturday was so bad that they had a historic blown lead they blew the game against the Houston Texans, locked in the fourth overall pick, and got themselves an Anthony Richardson. 5D chess being played by Jim Irsay. All strategy. The and puppet you know master the what, whole time. That's exactly what I think about when I think about Jim Irsay. Mind all there, all the things. Of course. <laughs> um, but no, he said it was a bleep show of an 18 months is the best way to describe it. Things kind of escalated quickly within one week and the entire dynamic change. You know, talking about the transition from Atlanta where he spent so much time to Indy where things were very different and then what he called an impossible situation for Jeff Saturday, which was was very accurate. But I just I was mad at myself for glossing over that and I felt it was important, a really interesting article in The Athletic yesterday. Yeah, I was surprised when I was reading it too because I didn't realize. I, I thought for some reason, you know, one of those, I don't know, I can't remember what the term is, but you think you have a memory of something? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I, I thought I remember reading that he had been retired, but he's not retired. He's actually, he's, I know he's doing the CBS thing, but he's still officially active. He's CBS, so. but in waiting. That's in, right. in waiting for an NFL game. I think he still can. If one were to Look, come up. I, it was an S show, and I know in this article, too, he was, you know, he told, I think it was Holder, I can't remember who wrote it, uh, but regardless, uh, it might have been Josh Kendall. Uh, but he told them essentially, like, hey, look, I didn't really agree with me being getting benched, but then ultimately he didn't get benched. Look, Matt Ryan didn't really play particularly well last year. Having said that, you know, in a National Football League where backup quarterback is a very important position, should he have a spot on a roster? I would, pro- I would argue, probably, yeah. Like he, he definitely, I think, 
would be serviceable, especially if you're a team that has a young quarterback that's looking for like a steady veteran backup. I think Matt Ryan should probably be on a roster, so we'll see if he gets a call. Well, let's stick to the theme of quarterbacks, and a young one in Brock Purdy will evidently handle his usual duties as a starter at joint practices with the Raiders this week on Thursday and Friday, but unlikely to start in the game on Sunday, according to their head coach Kyle Shanahan said, I doubt Brock plays. We haven't fully decided yet. We're more into the practices than the games, but I've changed my mind a couple times, too, based on how the practices go. Um, what do you think valuable or not given the injury for him to get a few reps in preseason? So I always like these kind of things or I always find these kind of fascinating because look, so the 49ers, I think they're going to be a highly power rated preseason team as well, only because their quarterback depth starts pretty good. Like in the preseason standpoint, we'll say right when your three quarterbacks are Brock Purdy, Trey Lance and, and Sam Darnold, you're in a relatively good position. So they're going to be rated relatively highly. What they're going to actually run. Of course, that's a real question mark, but I think what I find interesting too is if the market reacts to certain things like this, like Brock Purdy not playing, like if I had told you he was going to start, what was your expectations for a workload going to be for the starting quarterback? Very limited. Right, right. Yes. You know, a drive, a couple of handoffs, maybe two drives and like two passes, not really worth a ton. So I would say if like, if you were waiting to bet on the 49ers and this news took you off of it, I don't really understand why that would be the case. You know what I mean? I I wouldn't expect a, light, a big workload from him anyway, so... I think you just want to wait to see if he's really just going to be healthy and appear at all in the preseason. Yeah, and to your point about the depth of the quarterback room with Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, like that's probably why four-and-a-half-point favorite yep. in this early game here well, at Also, the Raiders' Stadium. quarterback depth chart's a nightmare. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell. And, I wasn't uh, going to say it. I can't, but, but uh, what am I thinking of? Brian Hoyer? Um, Brian yeah. Hoyer's record is abysmal. Like overall? Like it's big bad. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's one more. Chase Garbers, I think he's still on the roster. Yeah, they cut him and then re-signed him. So, yeah, your quarterback depth chart behind Jimmy G is going to be Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, and Chase Garbers. It's not great. So, I think that there's a very good reason why San Francisco's favored the way that they are. Are people reading too much into all the interceptions Jimmy G has thrown so far here in the preseason? Because we, Michael and I were talking about it earlier this week. The defenses are always ahead of offenses. But also yeah. knowing the Raiders' defense has been, like, pretty Bad brutal. And not going to be so... good. So... I, I think generally I don't really worry about it too much. You know, so I'll like go back to Patrick Mahomes' first training camp when he was getting ready to be the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you remember, but all of the reports were, holy smokes, this guy can't stop throwing interceptions. He's brutal. And then we know what Patrick Mahomes has become. Now, that's not saying Jimmy G is going to become Patrick Mahomes. It's just that in training camp, you're working on things, throwing routes generally you wouldn't actually purposely running stuff against coverages that work against you so that you know, right, exactly what you're trying to do against certain things. It's like spring training. Like a pitcher goes out there again, as we talked about before, I'm just throwing sliders today. So then you'll see a pitcher get absolutely smoked in spring training. And you're like, well, what's going on here? Well, no, he's just working on one thing. So I think it's the same thing in training camp. Like I wouldn't take too much out of it. It's a guy who's coming off a foot injury, who actually had some rest worked into training camp so far, is working out relationships with receivers. And while it's an offense he's used to, it's an offense he hasn't been in for a minute. So I wouldn't take too much out of it. Like, I don't okay. think I'm downgrading the Raiders any more than I already have them. Also, coming out of that most recent media availability from Kyle Shanahan, he talked about Nick Bosa's holdout and just said, quote, I know they're going to get it right, not particularly stressed when it comes to getting a deal done for the reigning defensive player of the year. Let's go to another one of the top tier teams in the league. You mentioned Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting the Chiefs do expect wide receiver Kadarius Toney, as well as running back as Isaiah Pacheco to be ready for week one. Tony tore his meniscus at the start of Chiefs 
training camp, had to have surgery. He's yet to return to practice. Pacheco had off-season surgery as well on his hand and shoulders. He's been a limited participant, but not yet cleared for contact. That opening game, Thursday night football against the Lions, so just about a month out from that game taking place. Uh, and with the Chiefs offense that already has some concerns in the wide mm-hmm. receiver room to begin with, how do you feel about – about? Mm-hmm. let's start with Tony specifically. Let's see. Yep. And the more metrics I'm putting into the model the, – the, the, What the, number are we up to? You were at like 54 before? 54. Oh, oh, the number? Yeah. 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 So the uh, correlation, we, we're, we're right under 54 right now. Okay. So that's where we're at. We're at 52, 53. So, okay. um, But it's down. It's down now to 7.89 projected home margin of victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. So mm. it's getting tighter. Uh, but no, to your overall point, like I think that's the most important part is what what Kadarius Tony is going to be uh, from last year's standpoint and a PFF grading standpoint, their highest graded receiver from 2022 that is still currently on this roster. And then you look after that, and it's a whole bunch of questions about how this is going to really work out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he's going to maximize almost every single pass catcher that's out there. So that's something. But to your point, like this is it's a, it's a little bit different in that you know last year you were replacing Tyreek Hill. This year. Now you don't have a couple of guys from last year's squad, yeah. including, including J.J. Smith-Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster, excuse me, and McCall Hardman. Like, that's a lot of turnover the last two years for this wide receiver room and relying on a lot of young guys to really step up. I'm still waiting for Sky Moore to pay off the preseason, you know, hype that he had last year. So I think that's why, that like, it's not a big deal in that, like, hey, are you really going to downgrade Kansas City because they still have homes? Right. No. But is it kind of worth something like winning at the margins in certain matchups down the road? Is that going to matter if this kind of flails out Then flames out? I would say, yeah. Yeah, that's my thing. I'm very curious who's going to be the guy to elevate the receiver room, if right. anyone, or if you just have to keep on making Travis Kelsey that go-to target and have him be your lead receiver every a, week. A lot of people like Rishi Rice. I mean, we'll see if that's yeah. going to be the case, but it seems very similar to Sky Moore last year. Sky Moore was yeah. doing great in camp and then... Didn't really see anything from him until the Super Bowl. Kadarius Tony very injury plagued in his young career, but did step up big in last year's Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. A critical fourth quarter touchdown had the long punt return. So we'll see if he's able to get back and might as well tag that with another holdout. Chris Jones still not practicing as he looks for a new contract in Kansas City. Um, we were talking about quarterbacks in general. Also thought it was interesting. Lions are adding Teddy Bridgewater. Not official pen to paper just yet, but get a little depth behind Jared Goff finally, which will be nice. Yes, and I, I think this it's funny. When we were going back to I just go back to the, the draft, right, which was like, hey, remember, hey, you could get a guy like Hendon Hooker to be a first-round selection. Like, he's clearly not healthy and not going to be ready. Maybe he's going to be their quarterback of the future, but that's a really big long-term plan, so it was never going to be part of that. And you really needed to add here because I don't think you were going to be comfortable mm-hmm. Going in with, I think it was a Nate Sudfeld. Nate who's Sudfeld a, appeared in two games, didn't yeah. register any stats last year. Punter Jack Fox did complete a pass. And, so. and I keep saying this about the Lions, Stormy. If you look at Jared Goff's numbers, right, like turnover-worthy play rate, his, he was a really average-graded quarterback last season. There is a reality that I think is more possible than not that Jared Goff kind of turns into a little bit more of a pumpkin, like the Goff that lost his job out there in Los Angeles. And all of a sudden, you're looking around this Rams team and going like, oh, man, like it's going to be golf or Teddy Bridgewater or something like we, this quarterback situation might be kind of a mess by the time you get to the end of the year. So again, it could be good, but I just, I goes back to my original premise that I don't know if I'm really buying in as much as the market is on Detroit. You're going to love a topic that we're going to cover a little bit later on in hour two, looking at the NFL's top 100 as voted on by the players and where Jared Goff sits among the top 10 quarterbacks. I found very interesting. He was on the list. But uh, as far as just like quarterback depth in general, we saw last year more than like 
any year, I feel like, in my recent memory, backup quarterbacks being sure. thrust into the starting spotlight of the 32 NFL teams. 22 of them saw backup start games. Hell, the 49ers were down to QB4 in the NFC Championship game. The Dolphins down to QB3. The list goes on and on and on. We're going to take a quick break. From NFL to college football, we go discussing realignment and some passer props. You won't want to miss it. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Words cannot describe how pumped I am that we are finally here. It's football season, ladies and gentlemen, and nobody knows football quite like VEASAN. Now's the time to become a VEASAN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and NFL betting guides. Only VEASAN subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts have profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. You can sign up today for the full thing, $199. You'll get both guides and full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl, or you can join us on that monthly basis, 19 bucks the first month. See everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all of the options and become part of the sports betting network. Rolling along here alongside Jonathan Bontobel. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. This is the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the sports betting network. And let's talk some college football because geography be damned. The Atlantic Coast Conference going Pacific. Well, potentially. Um, still, still a lot more to go here. But the ACC is in early stages now, evidently, of exploring an idea of adding Stanford and Cal from what was formerly known as the Pac-12. Athletic directors for the ACC met yesterday, followed by the league presidents early Tuesday morning, and evidently some more meetings on the schedule for this week. No vote has taken place yet, but the league's current members are, quote, evaluating the possibility. So this is interesting for obviously many reasons. Um, the first of which I would also say really quickly, and I think a lot of people know this, but for those who really don't put it together, academically, it actually does make a lot of sense that Stanford and Cal would be part of the ACC. Like uh, they are a lot I of colleges. Like- like university presidents are probably salivating at the idea of these like elite academic institutions. So I think that makes sense there. I also think what makes it interesting is I I don't think it makes sense that if you're the ACC to just add Stanford and Cal. So what I mean by that is I would think that all of a sudden ears in the Mountain West are starting to perk up, which is you at the very least want to add a couple of West Coast schools. You know, you don't want to just add two West Coast teams, both in California, and then have everybody else in the ACC. Like you've got to have like a couple of pockets out there in the, along the West Coast, so you would think that the Boy, San Diego, are you to San Diego State, Boise, that's no, not Boise in State, California. we got to stop with the Boise State stuff. You, you ever notice that Boise State has not been mentioned in any one of these Correct. reports at all? You want to know why? Minuscule market size. It doesn't matter about athletics as much as it does about market size and potential growth. Yeah. So San Diego Idaho's State. Idaho's not moving the needle. Correct. Right. You know what I mean? Sorry. It's like the 67th ranked market or something like that. And I think that's kind of, you know, this is part of these conversations. So San Diego State, Fresno State, potentially. Uh, again, I know people might be shocked. you want them all in California? Well, that's what I was going to say. UNLV, Colorado State. Uh, you know, these are programs outside of UNLV, but like a Colorado State, Wyoming even. These are teams and programs that if you're not like following them on a day-to-day basis, you don't understand how well-funded they are, how like how much money is behind them, how much state support is behind them, and they would actually be much more attractive to add than most would think on its surface. So I think when you talk about adding a Stanford and a Cal, I think it just opens up the door for some of these other West Coast teams, these Mountain West teams specifically, 
to potentially have somebody come and calling like the ACC to at least give the ACC a couple of more West Coast windows. I, I don't know if that's official or not. Nothing's been reported. I'm just kind of following the tea leaves. It would just make a little bit of sense. Do you think that, I mean, as we start the fallout of everything with the Pac-12, do you think that ultimately Stanford and Cal do go to the ACC? Is that what happens here? I mean, I think it makes sense. Like, because even Cause if initially we, the talk was that the Mountain West would maybe absorb those four teams, but so there is that. But then apparently, and this is why this is all ridiculous. But apparently, the Apple deal is still on the table for the Pac-4, so they just have to add teams, and so that would then the thought is that you keep the four teams that is already that are already there, you absorb the top four teams from the Mountain West that you think are most attractive, which would be San Diego State, Fresno State. Um, UNLV and maybe Boise or Colorado State. And then you take two more, which would be Tulane. And there was one other school that I think that was theorized to be part of it and make like another Pac-10 and boom, just like that. There you go. You're fine. You take Tulane in the Pac-12? You, what are you talking about? We're talking about the Big Ten getting Oregon <laughs> I, and Washington. That's why I right. hate. That's why I said geography be damned. I yep. hate this so much. I read this I love quote. it, actually. I think it's kind of cool, like, talking about it. I know, we're, but I think it's fascinating. I read this that evidently Greg Sankey at one point has, because, you know, based the, the SEC offices, Greg Sankey, commissioner of the of the SEC, based in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. But you go from school to school, game to game on weekends. He tries to get around the footprint, right? And he has said that the farthest trip that he has to take ever is from Columbia, South Carolina to College Station, Texas. So from Gamecock country out to Texas A&M and College Station. That's closer than the closest trip that UC USC and UCLA will have to take in the Big Ten. That is mind-boggling to me. What are we doing? What do you mean? I love the regionality of college sports, and so it's like crushing nah. my soul. But I also said this on the show yesterday that like with anything else in college football and the way that realignment has taken place in the past where we're just used to Penn State being in the Big Ten. We're used to Texas A&M, for example, mm -hmm. being in the SEC. You just get over it and move on because at sure. the end of the day, it's college football. We all love college football. We're going to watch it. It's not going to impact us. But I just hate the impact I know how much I hate traveling to the East Coast every week to cover college football, how tired it makes me when I have to do my job on a day-to-day -day basis, wow. let alone being a student athlete that oh. has to go to class after arriving back home at 1 or 2 in the morning from a college softball or baseball game. That sounds miserable. That's why co well, college football should just be its own entity. If you're going to force this on these student athletes, college football should be its own entity and then move all the rest of the sports into their own little regional stuff. That's – you hit on the other – like – College football-wise, I don't really care. But you hit on the important thing, which is baseball, Olympic sports, those are the things that are kind of getting thrown in the wayside. Like, ah, who cares? You know, money's coming in. I would agree with that. Like, the Olympic sports are kind of getting screwed when you have to make some of these trips that you have to make now in these new look conferences, right? Well, so, and that's why I feel for Stanford in general. Sure. Because, like, they're getting such just, like, short end of the stick, an awful situation because they're only – and granted, they used to be a great college football program. Like, there's a lot of potential for that to happen again. John Harbaugh and, and um, David Shaw for a time, like, had a mm -hmm. great – but just Olympic sports for Stanford are, like, the best overall athletic department in the country. So, and they could go independent. They could try that out. I think the real. I think there's a little bit more reality though to like this whatever this pack four is going to be, and then absorbing the maybe pack. a couple. Yeah, that's Doesn't a good that one. Doesn't that sound better? That sounds better. Uh, but absorbing whatever from the Mountain West, and then you know building that up. Because think about it too. You know, from again, this is all about money and media rights and all that kind of stuff. For Mountain West teams outside of Boise State, you're talking about a mountain or excuse me, a media deal that currently only gives schools in the range of about six million dollars a year. 
that's yeah. obviously pales in comparison to what some of these other teams are. You could go from that to nearly $20 million a year with this new Apple deal that the Pack 4 has or the 4-pack has now if they can keep it together. So I think that's why, because I'm with you initially, I thought, like, why would they do that? Mount West has the power here. If that deal still is on the table like it's being reported, then that would make more sense that some of those schools actually go to the Pac-4 and then become whatever it's going to be. I just kept thinking, like, looking back to San Diego State and everything that they were going through from a money perspective of trying to leave the Mountain West and join the Pac-12, mm. probably had press releases written, all the stuff, ready to go. Good thing they didn't. And then good thing they didn't think about it. Well, they might money. just actually do it anyway. Uh, yeah, true. So <laughs> They might actually yeah. just go anyway. Well, last couple minutes here, let's at least give the people something college football bettable related. And speaking of the Pac-12 in its current form this season, the top two passing yards betting props out there in terms of the yardage Michael Penix Jr., Washington, Caleb Williams from USC. So I wanted to, I was I was really excited we threw this on there, and maybe we'll have more time to do this later. So I wanted to throw my theory at you here. Love it. With it, which is when I was looking over this when Steph sent this over yesterday, and I was like, okay, how do you do this? Because you know, you can look at Michael Penix Jr., for example, and you can go, okay, well, if you look at it last year, he threw for four thousand three hundred and fifty four yards in the regular season, and you're looking at three thousand seven hundred and fifty and a half. And, like, I think that's it's very far off, right? That's including uh, when you're talking about where he was. And in comparison with a guy like Caleb Williams, who threw for 3,700 yards last year and his props at 3,500. And what I was thinking is, okay, how do you attack a market like this? And my initial thought was kind of like the original process that I was doing there. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what, Stormy? I, I feel like when you attack some of these season-long props, what I want to look for is change. So what I mean by that is let's take a look at, like, Sam Hartman, for example. Sam Hartman is a guy who was at Wake Forest, that slow mesh concept, a, a little bit more high-flying, 500 dropbacks last season, all that kind of stuff, and I think is an upgrade at quarterback, but is entering a pro-style offense, which is going to be much different than what he was dealing with at Wake Forest. When you look at the total amount of dropbacks between the two quarterbacks that started games for Notre Dame in the regular season last year, you're talking about barely just over 300 in comparison with 500 for him last year at Wake Forest. So what I'm trying to get at is, if you look at his number passing yards-wise, I think it's right around 2,500, right? 28, something like 2,900. that? 2,900. 2,900, yeah. thank you. It, like, on the surface, it makes sense. Like, oh, okay, Notre, Notre Dame, pro system, fewer dropbacks. But you went and got Sam Hartman for a reason. He's a better quarterback. So I'm kind of trying to look for change and where I might find some of that variance. And there were a couple that stuck out. Like, there was Sam Hartman there, where I think maybe you would look to play that over because I think that you're going to trust him a little bit more given his status as a quarterback in college football. And then there's Kate Klubnick over in um, Clemson. Initially, if you look at it, you can look at some of the old Clemson offense and go, okay, maybe this is what we're going to get. But remember, now the new offense coordinator there has ties. He's been working under Sonny Dykes for a really long time. So we're talking about SMU, TCU. Maybe that's going to look a little bit more different for Klubnick, uh, Klubnick when you get into that offense, and maybe he's a candidate to go over. So I thought just generally, instead of like looking at it averages from last year and going on, mm. I thought a different way to look at it was try to find change, try to find variance, and try to see if you can get ahead of that variance. Good perspective. Cade Klubnick, by the way, Clemson's quarterback, 3,050 and a half, his yep. passing yards number. All of these that I've seen over there at DraftKings, minus 115 each way. We're going to take a timeout here when we return. VEASAN contributor and betting analyst Will Hill will join the program. He's got NFL preseason, futures, and MLB. What more could you ask for? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home? Take a deep breath and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.